So this morning, without any further ado, and I'm hoping that you are able to see this a little better. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Hopefully, you can. But I want to. I want to. I want to teach this morning the subject of prayer without ceasing. That's that's not a misprint. That is not an error. Prayer without ceasing. And whenever I mention this in the very beginning, it's going to click right away. If you talk to most people in the body of Christ, they have been praying ever since Peter got out of jail. <laughs> and they're still waiting on God. Or so they think. People are praying and praying and praying. And I'm going to tell you something here that there comes a time and, well, let me not get ahead of myself. Prayer without ceasing. Now, Exodus chapter 14, let's just read that and then I can go ahead on and set the foundation. Exodus chapter 14. And this is going to answer some questions here. The Bible says. And Moses. And Moses said unto the people. Fear ye not. Verse, uh, verse 13 out of Exodus 14. Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Which he will show you this day. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them no again no more forever. Now, just so you get a little bit of the backdrop, this is the exodus of the people of Israel coming out of Egypt. And they were caught between the proverbial rock and hard place, which was between the Red Sea and, they, and Pharaoh was pursuing. Anytime you are delivered, your captor will pursue you. I mean, that's a nugget right there. Any, did you notice that your past is trying to catch up with you? Did you notice that if you stay still too long, your past will catch up with you? There are habits, tendencies, and things you got delivered of. And if you don't move forward in God, those things will come up, tap you on your back, and the next thing you know, you find yourself drinking again. You find yourself smoking again. You find yourself cussing still. <laughs> Y'all start laughing. I'm going to leave that alone. I'm not going to dig. You know, and you know, we know the Bible says in Matthew chapter 12, and I always have to say this when I mention that. That out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. What comes out of your mouth is what's in your heart in abundance. So your cussing did not slip. Like you said, thy cuss runneth over. Moving right along. Your past will come and catch you. Your, your past thinks it owns you. Your past feels like it's entitled to you. And it will come for you. And I don't care how long you've been saved. You could have got saved with Abraham, but your past will come for you and try to dominate you. Here they are. They have left. And listen to this. There's two times that I, 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 I heard this. Pharaoh said, once the people left on a high hand, and they, uh, Pharaoh had them no more. Listen to what Pharaoh said. This is a spiritual connotation, okay? Pharaoh said, why have we done this? Why have we let those people go? Make ready the chariots and let's go and pursue them and recapture them and bring them back. Matthew chapter 12. Watch how this sounds similar. Matthew 12, 43 says, when an unclean spirit goeth forth out of a man, he walks to and fro through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. And then said he, I will return to my house 
from whence I came out. And the Bible says when he goes and finds it swept and garnished, which means you didn't replace anything, you just got delivered, but you were not refilled with anything. Then goeth he and taketh seven more spirits more wickeder than himself. And verse 45 says, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. So what it's saying here is there is there is uh, a plan of the enemy to recapture what he believes he is. We know that our temple is the temple of the Holy Spirit and we are not his. So here are here's the setup. They're at the Red Sea. Um, Moses said or the people began to say here comes Pharaoh here comes Pharaoh he's pursuing us now you can go back and read this but there is a guy named Nashon it was uh, it was it was uh, a relative well, I won't get into all of that. But anyway, I was just reading about how he went into the water. He was the first one. Because when Moses said, <clears throat> verse 14, the Lord shall fight for you and he, you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, wherefore Christ thou unto me, speak thou unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Now you see, here's a red sea here. And at this point, it had not parted. We thought, and many times it seems like it's the setup, is that the water just parted and they was like, oh, okay, cool. But there's this dude named Nashon. He walked out into the water. He was the first one to jump in. He was of the tribe of Judah. He was the first one to jump in the water. And he started walking in the water until the water got up into his nose. And then the waters parted. He was the first one to jump in. What am I saying? Even when the Lord speaks to you, there's still a reluctance to do what he says. He said, why cries out to me? Now, here's what I wanted to say about prayer without ceasing. We should. Oh, I didn't know that I had lost this. But anyway, we should always pray. Prayer is always recommended. However, there is a time that you need to understand how I mean this. You need to stop praying and do something. We love that in the church because it's so spiritual. Sounds so good. You know, I've just been praying. I've just been praying and I've been praying and I'm just praying. So are you saying that God is not giving you any instructions over eight years that you've been praying? God has not said anything. He's just left you to the will of the enemy and not giving you any instructions. The Bible says when David came in 1 Samuel 30 back to Ziglag, <coughs> excuse me, and the city was burned. And then his people that, that he was hanging out with, his posse wanted to hang him. The Lord, he said, I'm going to inquire of the Lord. And the Bible says he went and inquired of the Lord and said, shall I pursue them? And the Lord spoke to him and said, pursue them and recover all. In eight years, God hasn't said anything. We should always pray, yes. But there comes a time the Lord said to Moses, you're standing out here. The Red Sea is there. Pharaoh is catching up with you and you still praying. He said, why are you crying to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. See, the problem is we don't want to take the chance of getting in the Red Sea because we can't swim. We start letting natural things talk us out of progress. Well, I looked at my bank account and it says zero. Sell some Poshmark, do something.
Look, I'm an advocate of being proactive. And I'm just saying, just sitting there until your situation consume you. Don't you remember the lepers? God to do something when you start doing something. Do you remember when they were sitting out at the gate and the Bible says that the lepers said, uh, here's another set of lepers. Why sit we here until we die when the word of the Lord is already spoken? If we go in the city and they're not eating anything in there, we're going to die. If we sit here, we're going to die. Let's go down to the enemy's camp. They might just save us alive. Listen, the Bible says at twilight when they got up, twilight the enemy abandoned the camp. Y'all, like the old preacher said, y'all don't hear me. See, if they got up at noon, then the enemy would have got up at noon. If they got up at night, the enemy would have got up at night. They got up at twilight. It's not a coincidence that the enemy abandoned the camp at twilight. What I am saying is, while you're sitting there praying for years, God is waiting on you to do something. God is waiting on you to move. You're still waiting on God, and God is waiting on you. Even the Bible says when you're waiting on him and you're doing it scripturally accurate, they that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew your strength. You shall mount up. You shall mount up. You shall mount up. You shall do something. You shall run. You shall run. That's a verb. You shall run. And be not weary. Walk. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But do something. We like to lay on that. I'm praying. I've I just been praying, you know. I, you know, the Lord has been dealing with me for about three years. Three years you've been disobedient. How many times does he have to say it? He's been dealing with you. Why? Because you haven't done it yet. I'm not mad. I'm just telling you we got to come to a point where we stop putting everything on. I've been praying. I've been praying. I've been praying. There comes a time for you to get up while you're praying and pray while you're moving. Israel had Pharaoh pursuing. It was between that rock and hard place. Again, I said, oh, y'all got me. Okay. We should always pray. But praying about something that God has already instructed us on. See, the thing about it is, is what God told us to do takes us out of our comfort zone. So we just decide we just want to still pray. Where you at? I'm, I'm at the house. What you doing? I'm just praying. I, I know someone that every time I talk to them, they say, how you doing? Well, I'm just sitting here praying. I'm just praying for the Lord. Listen, go back and read what Jesus said. It is finished. He was talking about his work. I was started. His was finished. Are you listening? I hope you're getting something out of this because I'm really, I'm, I'm really trying to help you out. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. See, that's what I, I like. I like teaching that will challenge us. Ephesians chapter 1. And let's look at verse 11. Uh, is that a good place? I'll go to verse 9 so it seems like it's more so a complete sentence and thought. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he had purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ 
both which are in heaven and which are in the earth, even in him. And verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined, uh, predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Now the Bible says that he, we have obtained an inheritance. Guys, we have obtained an inheritance. If you are born again, there is an inheritance for you. If you are saved, there is an inheritance. The thing about it is, is we much rather settle on being entitled to it than possessing it. I know it's mine. It is. Got my name on it. With your name on it. Yeah, your name is on it. <clears throat> How many of you ever heard of unclaimed cash? All of you. You've heard of it. What I don't understand is with all of this money that's unclaimed and with so many people on that list that needs something why does the list still exist that thing should be bankrupt unless you did everybody that got something on there i want mine and i want it now what was the name of that guy uh jay jay what jd jg some of y'all don't even tell my and then J.R. Wentworth. <laughs> and he say, I, I want my money and I want it now. So this is what I'm saying right here. That list should not exist because there's a lot of stuff still on the table. As far as us as believers, we left a lot of stuff on the table. There's a lot of stuff that that you are struggling with right now that is yours that's still on the table. Stuff that you have not gone to get. You haven't looked into it. You haven't checked it out to see if there's something right now there's, there's healing on the table that people don't pursue. There are finances on the table people don't pursue. Because all of them require you to do something. Are you listening? And we should not be the type of people as believers that just leave our stuff on the table and still walk in want. Now I'm not telling you it's going to be like waving a magic wand. That's not what I'm trying to get across to you. I am saying though there is some stuff out there that you can have stuff that belongs to you, but you're going to have to change your mindset. Did you realize that you could be born again, believer, washed in the blood of Jesus and still have a poverty mindset? Why? Because our mind didn't get saved. See, our nature was saved, but we still had a sin conscience to deal with. We still had to change, transform the way we think about certain things. And there is a lot of things that belongs to us as born again believers that we don't pursue and we leave on the table. Moving right along. Let's go to. Oh, let me let me let me put this out here. There are three major steps into seizing our inheritance. And this is not a step, but this is the foundation. You first know have to know you got one. If you're not convinced that you have an inheritance, you will never pursue something that you don't believe exists. You first have to know that. You have to know that God has changed the rules in your life and he has set up the kingdom to be an advantage to his children, you have to know that. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher. You don't just be saved. There are certain things that belong to you that God wants you to have. Why? Because you represent him. If any guy... Listen, 
Your household represent you. You follow what I'm saying? If somebody went to your house and they saw a lot of broken boys, rotted boys on your porch and all kinds of stuff, they're not going to say, man, his wife sure ought to come out here and fix this. No, they're going to point to the men of the house. What am I saying to you? There are certain things that belong to you. And God wants us to represent him in a way that people see the covenant working in our lives. So there are three major steps to seizing our inheritance. The first one is. Consecration. That's a word we don't hear unless we think we're going to a service. <laughs> oh, they're going to consecration service. Consecration is what's supposed to happen to us. Consecration is simply to officially make sacred. That means we have to get in our minds, we have to make up in our mind, we want to be saved, we're going to serve God. Not if something don't work. It's like, okay, I'm sold out to this. God, you call me, and I'm going to stop teeter-tottering, backwards and forth, or jumping in and out of God like double dutch. I got to make up my mind that I am going to be used by God. Are you, are you listening? God wants to use you. And when he uses you, he makes your life better. He makes your life better so he can use you. you. You can be saved on a bicycle. But it limits your ministry and you can't go tell people how God can bless you if you're just on a bicycle unless you're a kid. You can't be 45 on a bicycle. It, it doesn't carry the weight. You follow what I'm saying? I'm not being mere materialistic. I'm just saying certain things don't carry the weight. You can't be somewhere cursing folks out and tell them how God can just deliver you. you some things don't carry weight. You, you, you follow what I'm saying? So, consecration. Go to Joshua chapter 5. Let me read this really quickly. Joshua chapter 5. Because I want to show you that before God uses you, God wants to consecrate you. God wants to officially make you his own. Not theoretically, but officially make you his own. Now here we see Joshua. We know that Moses, and here's the thing about Moses. Moses, because he was not fully consecrated, Moses saw the promised land in theory, but he never ended into it. Follow what I'm saying? Because some of the children of Israel that were in the wilderness, because they would rise up, worship a golden calf, and do all these other things in 40 years, that generation died out because they were not consecrated. So what God is saying, you don't have to be perfect. But you do need to be consecrated if God is going to use you. That means set apart. <clears throat> Follow what I'm saying? Here's what God did. Now, verse 5, all the people that came out were circumcised. This is all the people who left Egypt. They were circumcised. But all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. Now, that's a problem. The people that came out were circumcised, which is a sign of the covenant. Many of the people, including Paul, said on the eighth day he was circumcised. And that's when, if you got to be circumcised, you want it to be the eighth day. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't want to be 38 in a beard. <laughs> You, you, you follow what I'm saying? <coughs> Excuse me. Now, and the Bible says this. 
For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness to all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord unto whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord swore unto the uh, fathers that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. Here, we understand what he's saying. Simply put, they was out there for 40 years and all of those that were came out of Egypt, they died out and now here's the new generation. The first thing God did was consecrated them. He began to uh, administer the sign of the covenant to the ones that was going in the promised land. Now, we know you don't have to fear someone grabbing you up at 38 talking about, come on back here. But the Bible says that we circumcise our heart. That's a sign of consecration. See, our heart is in too many places. Our heart is, see, God said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. That is the problem with most people. That's not the first commandment. The first commandment is love the Lord when you get tired. Love the Lord when there is nothing else to do. And love him even more when my own plans fall through. Y'all can be quiet. It's okay. But that's real. So God wants to circumcise a heart. And when you circumcise the heart, you cut away stuff that you don't need. You cut away stuff that's not relevant to your walk with him. You cut away things that have become a distraction to you. You cut away your own will for his will. You cut away some of the things you desire for his desire. Delight thyself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit thyself unto his way and he will bring that to pass. So we have to have our heart circumcised. Are you listening? Now, let me move quickly so I can finish this. The Bible says, and their children whom he raised up in their, in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass that when they had done circumcising all the people, that they abode in the places in the camp till they were whole or till they were healed. Let me tell you something. Sometimes when the Lord circumcises your heart, sometimes you have to just kind of sit down and heal. Because some of the things that he pulled out of our heart is things that we really, really thought we needed. Things we wanted. Our own ideas about things. And sometimes you need space to heal. You follow what I'm saying? You can't just go run and just start doing the will of God. You need healing. And a lot of times, people run from one thing to another, never being healed. And they take that hurt somewhere else and they unpack it there. And then, you know, you can just listen. You can just hear. And they are still walking in hurt. You have to be healed first. Now, let me go on and, uh, and move to the next thing. So, what is the first step? Uh, to season your inheritance consecration next warfare that's very important when the children of Israel came out of Egypt the Bible says this in Exodus 13 I believe it is the Bible says that God took the children of Israel he could have taken them through the land of the Philistines which was nearer but he said, peradventure they may see war and change their mind. So he took them around the way of the Red Sea, which was the longest way, which was the scenic route. And that's what God does. Anytime you look to accomplish something in God by going the shortcut, I can tell you right now, it's going to fizzle out because you're going to have to fight sometime. You're going to have to fight sometime. The enemy is not going to just let you go because you took the shortcut. He said, you, are, you took the shortcut, that's fine. You might arrive a little early, 
but you are unprepared. As soon as you have to scrap in the spirit, it's going to be an it's going to be an issue. And see, you have to understand something. As soon as Israel crossed over, they entered warfare. No sooner than they crossed over from the wilderness experience to Canaan land, they were met with opposition. Giants were in the land telling them, I know this is your land, but you can't have it. And if you're going to have it, you're going to have to take it from us. There are things right now that you need in your life and you desire. You don't need to take it from people. The enemy is holding your blessings and you are going to have to learn how to fight. You are going to have to learn how to fight. I don't mean stand. See, that's different. See, when you hear stand, you know, everybody wants to say, I can stand. Standing is not it. You're going to have to learn how to fight. I'll show you this, and I'm going to move a little faster just so you can get this point right here. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12 says, Ever since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has suffered violence, and the violent must take it by force. What do I simply mean? You are going to have to learn how to fight every fight. Every fight. See, we have been trained psychologically to fight our enemies. We have been, but what about people you love? See, see, you're going to have to learn how to fight every fight. It's easy to fight someone you mad with. Because you got vengeance in your heart. Come on. What about your co-worker that could potentially cause you to lose your job? You're going to have to learn how to fight. All right. What about when you're mad with your children? You're going to have to learn how to fight. You can't. I, I heard a preacher say this. You can't throw the baby out with the bath water. you got to learn how to fight. What about when you're in the grocery store and someone is about to cause you to lose your witness? You're going to have to learn how to fight. What about when something is afflicting your body and you don't know what to do and the doctor is giving you a crazy, crazy diagnosis? You're going to have to learn how to fight. See, it's not just people you marry with. You're going to have to become skillful in the word of righteousness where you are able to take the word of God and you are going to have to go on the assault, not just stand. You know, anybody get knocked out and you keep taking counter punches. But you're going to have to learn when to talk, when not to talk. When to walk, when not to walk. When to go on an all-out assault and when to sit back and take a few. You're going to have to learn how to fight. This is what we don't want to do. We don't want to become skillful in the whole uh, uh, realm of warfare. We just want to, like we're trained, fight when someone makes you mad. What do you need? Do you need your finances? You're going to have to learn that the enemy is, as James said it, he said that there are people who are holding back some of your money and the cries have ended into the ears of the Lord. You're going to have to learn how to take your money back. What about when you're trying to buy a house and you feel like, man, my credit is not that bad, but it's, it's not that good. But guess what? I know so-and-so got one a house and they had a 620 score and mine is a 680 and they're telling me there's nothing for me. You have to learn how to take the word of God and not go cuss those people out because they didn't give you something. Take the word of the Lord and trust God. You have to learn every fight. Every fight. What if someone has offended you? And you let the devil shake up your whole life. You're going to have to learn how to fight. The Bible says as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. You have to learn how to fight. What about you in a bad relationship? And Boudreaux left you high and dry. Don't go around and key his car. 
you gonna have to live a way to make Boudreaux feel like that's the worst mistake he ever made to walk away from you. You have to learn how to fight. Are you listening to what I'm saying? You got to become proficient in warfare. You're going to have to learn how to fight every fight, not just the ones that you mad about. There are times the Lord tell you, speak the truth in love. You're going to have to say certain things with a spirit of love, and it's going to be hard, and people might still be offended, but you're going to have to learn how to fight because once you've done that, it's up to God. You have to know that. Come on. Y'all need to hear me. Some of you right now are in some things right now and you have decided how you're going to fix it. There's a scene the Lord gave me here recently and I say it all the time. At some point, it becomes mathematical. What do I mean by that? Say, for instance, you don't have any money and you're hungry. And you need something to eat. There is not a whole lot of options. At some point it becomes mathematical. I can go in there and just tell them I don't have any money. Will they give me this? I mean, I know I got my pride and I don't want to do this or that. Or I can see if they'll give me a job or I can starve to death. See, it's, it's mathematical. You're down to just three points. And at some point you have to look at your situation and, and, and take some of those unrealistic options away and say, this is where I am. Some of you are dealing with things right now in your life and you got too many options on the table that are unrealistic. You can easily move in faith whenever you start choosing realistic goals. I'm almost done. What is the last one? Okay, give me one, number one. Number two. Number three. And this is this is this is your favorite. Here we go. <laughs> Procrastination. Now that if there was ever a monkey's uncle, that be him. Procrastination is so smooth and spiritual. I'm just, I'm just waiting. You know, I'm just standing. I'm just sitting. I'm just lying while I'm lying. <laughs> Procrastination. One thing about procrastination, it has a weakness. And many of us haven't learned that. That's why we still procrastinate. The weakness to procrastination is called dread. Not dreads. Dread. Most people that procrastinate spend all their time thinking on how hard it's going to be. How difficult it's going to be. That's dread right there. That will have you sitting in your seat much longer than you should. I dread to go do this because if I go do this, it's going to mean that. You're trying to figure out too much stuff. You have to get past the dread and say this is an opposition to my success and it's got to go. Procrastination. Watch this. Joshua chapter 18. And when I read this, it's going to bring it home and we're getting out of here. Procrastination. When you get it, say amen. If you don't have it, say no man. If you're not looking, just say oh man. <laughs> All right. Now, here's the deal. 
We know that 11 day journey turned into 40 years. We know that, don't we? Now, here is the people of God going into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land that they first had to separate themselves in the wilderness. They had to go fight the giants. And incidentally, the Lord told them to go in and remove all of the enemies out of there, but they didn't do it. And I can tell you this right now. As saved as you are and the savior you want to be. If you don't deal with all those devils when you get saved, those are the ones that's going to come back and get you. If you lied all the time and you dealt with everything else, you don't drink anymore, you don't cuss much, and you know. <laughs> don't y'all make me think that we got some cussers in <laughs> Every time I get to that, y'all just have a party. <laughs> y'all are righteous. Y'all are the righteous seed of the Lord in Jesus' name. <laughs> now, so watch, watch this and see if you if this sounds like anybody you know. Verse one. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up a tabernacle of the congregation there and the land was subdued before them. That is a very important statement right there. And the land was subdued before them. Here's the deal. They got into the, into the promised land. They got into the land near Shiloh and there were no more enemies to fight there in that area. They, the land was subdued. The land was under their feet. The land was in their control. And there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which have not yet received their inheritance. Now here's the land subdued. There's nobody to fight. And out of 12 tribes, seven of them still wandering around in the wilderness trying to find out when Walmart goes. There are people who have gotten saved, born again, still out in the wilderness, claiming that they're on the inside. There are seven tribes. That means there are more out there than that was in there. And the enemy has already been defeated. Many people are walking without their inheritance and the enemy has already been defeated. Let me go on. And here's a question. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are you slack? How long are you slack? See, we like to put stuff on it. How long is your foot going to be hurting? How long is your arm going to keep you from turning the doorknob? How long are you going to be disappointed? How long are you going to still be mad? Joshua just called it like it was. Joshua like we on the inside. We don't see an enemy within 30 miles. How long are you slack to go in and possess your inheritance? That goes hand in hand with procrastination. Slackness. Slackness. He said, how long are you slack to go to possess the land which the Lord your God hath already given you? Even after the enemy has been defeated, there will still be people who will put off their blessing. People have learned to say it in another way. They have learned to present it in another way. And sometimes you can tell when you're talking and people start stuttering about this or that. When it's just like, just do what the Lord said do. Stop. Just stop, please. Just do what the Lord is saying. I'm not mad with you. I'll help you if you get up. I'm not going to help you while you're still sitting down. 
I'm not going to help you while you procrastinating and, 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 and come back for you when you just really hadn't made up your mind you want to stay. It's just like a man get up and leave his home and tell his wife, I ain't coming back. And then she went all over town trying to find him. If he wanted to come back, he know where you are. He not coming back. And if he do, he will be a liability and not an asset. He come back because he needs something. Look, I ain't trying to meddle. I'm just preaching what's in my spirit. I ain't, I ain't see no faces. I was just talking. Okay? But this is what I'm trying to say. We have to come to a place that God has given us an inheritance. And it's time for us. The Bible says we have everlasting uh, inheritance uh, with everlasting possessions. That means we should always have them. They are ours. Now, let, let, me, let me say this right here. And I want to ask the question to you. Because sometimes innate um, tendencies come from our um, ancestors. Sometimes, you know, if you if 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 you if you beat up your wife, your daddy did too. I'm just using plain stuff, most of the stuff. If you never had a job, your daddy probably didn't have one. Certain things just roll down until you stop them. It's called iniquities. That's what it's called. Exodus 25, I will visit the iniquities unto the uh, children's children to the third and fourth generation to them that, that, that hate me. Look at this. Here's my question. Are you descendants of one of those seven tribes? You don't have to be. I'm just asking the question. Are you sitting outside of your inheritance making excuses and being slack to go possess what God has given you? It could be that you have to break that. It could be that you say, you're stopping with me. I'm not doing that. I saw iniquities in my own family bloodline and I said, no, sir. It's got to go. It's got to go. It's got to go. It's got to go. I know what it looked like. And you have to be honest and say this is an iniquity. Now, there are good things, too, that come down your bloodline. You should embrace those. But those iniquities, you just look up the tree, you will see them. Grandparents, great-grandparents, somebody. And you have to break them. And I'm finishing them with Acts 20, 32. This is where, this is where the Bible says, I commend you unto the word of his grace, the word of his grace, the Bible, the scriptures. I commend you to the scriptures, the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you your inheritance. When you are conformed to the image of Christ, your inheritance becomes easy to walk in. But you have to, we said this before, look in that proverbial mirror and see what it is you don't like. Because if you don't deal with it, your children will. Your children will be a carbon copy of you if you don't deal with it. I don't care how much you pray. Now somebody said, that ain't a fake state. Look, listen, you first have to deal with it. Stop it in the bloodline. You can always pray, even if you don't change. You can always pray. But they might be 60 before they get delivered. You have to look at your children and say, I don't want them to have this because this has almost killed me. <laughs> you see, don't, don't act like you don't know. This is an area, and you can't just tell them without doing it. The Bible says to train up a child, and it doesn't mean just tell them about it. It means to teach by example. You can say what you want. They're going to do what they see. I had two parents to say, yes. Everybody else was like, shoot, I'm, I'm going to be praying. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm just trying to help you. When you look at those precious little kids, say to yourself, they don't deserve what my daddy or mama or grandparent put on me. They don't deserve this. And if anybody's going to stop it, it has to be you. So, look here, guys. Don't settle for being entitled on it. It's not good enough to just say that the promised land belongs to me. Go on it. Own it. And if you're praying more than you're doing, the Bible says you deceive yourself. You deceive yourself if you are hearer of the word and not a doer. James said faith, the second chapter, faith without corresponding actions is dead being alone. Just like the body without the spirit. Your spirit is the only thing got your body walking around here. If your spirit was snatched out of you, your body will fall like an old jacket. So if you don't have any actions to go along with what you're saying, that promise fell to the floor and you're walking on it. Well, praise the Lord. I hope I said something to challenge you. That was my whole intent to challenge you. Not to beat you down, but to challenge you. Because it's a known fact that we are a great group of people, but some of us just really, really need to be challenged a little bit more. And I wanted you to see it in light of the word of God, in light of the scriptures. Stop praying without seizing. God wants you to have it. Those of you that are listening by social media, ask yourself the question, what do you still believe in God for? Now, everything that you're waiting for is not something that you haven't seized, but that shouldn't be the whole of your life. That shouldn't be, that shouldn't be the general consensus is that you are still waiting on everything that you pray for. But you have to seize it. You have to take responsibility and seize what you're believing for. God, God, his promises are yea and amen, but at some point, he leave it to us in order for us to go and receive it. I'm going to pray for the, the teachers, the children. I'm going to pray for all of you guys before we go back. We take nothing for granted. We know that even in, in the school system, we found out that it can be a place of challenges. And we don't want to allow our children and our, um, and our educators to go back into an unsafe uh, environment without prayer. There may be some of you that are, are out there who are educators or you in the school system and I want you to receive this prayer as well because it is very important that faith comes by hearing and you need to hear. So I think before uh, I close, if you guys will permit me to, I would like for the educators and the children of this church to come up. Um, and I'm going to do it now because I want social media to be a part of this. I want you guys to know that someone is praying for you. I want you to know that someone has your back, has your heart in the name of Jesus. You know, we don't want to just go to church. There should be some benefits to going to church. There should be some guidance, some strength, protection, all of these other things like that. So, again, if we can do this uh, and expedite it pretty quickly, but for the educators, all of you teachers, all of you students 
And I want those of you that are not in that category to pray for the ones that's coming up here. I want you to extend your faith and pray for them. This is our precious, precious commodities. We're going to pray for you guys not to be distracted. That you not be conformed to the spirit of this world. That the Holy Spirit walk the aisles of those schools that you guys go to. And I ask you guys don't frustrate the grace of God. Don't go and just say, I can do anything because Bishop prayed. Don't do that. But rely on the power of God to keep you even when certain situations may look a little bleak. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these young children, young adults, and these educators, these teachers, school faculty, all of you that are listening by social media, I pray for you as well, that the angels of the Lord encamp round about your dwelling, wherever you are. I pray, Father, that you said, our seed shall be mighty upon this earth, and in righteousness they shall be established. So I thank you right now that you are establishing them in righteousness. That they will be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. I thank you that the word of God that they have heard and that they hear on a weekly basis will rise up big on the inside of them and cause them to make the necessary choices to separate them. For you said I will put a difference between thee and the Egyptian. Keep them safe. We take authority over all of these viruses that is affecting their homes and their health. We take authority over monkey pox, anything you said according to Revelation 6 and 8 about the beast of the field. We take authority over that. And we declare and decree that they're safe. We declare and decree that they are healed. Energize them. Strengthen them. Cause them to be excited about growing and about learning and about being the head and not the tail. We remove a spirit of complacency off of them. And these educators give them the wisdom of God. To do your will. Give them the wisdom to be able to walk in your will without being challenged by this crooked society. That their mouth will not be muffled when it comes to their influence on other little children. Give them a keen eye that they can be able to recognize trouble in a home. Teach them when to say something and when not to say anything. We take authority over the enemy that will try to trap them in their teaching methods, in their ways. And we give you all of the praise, honor, and glory that this group, the light of the glorious gospel, shines in them, through them, with them, and for them. And give the parents a love for their children that they would do as Deuteronomy 6 teach them in all their ways when they sit down at the table when they get up when they go outside when they are in their way wherever they are teach their children more so by example and I pray for all of you that are watching me via social media I thank you that your homes are protected that the grace of God is on your life the wisdom to parent, the wisdom to walk. I pray for you and I pray that you continually walk in divine health. I pray that God will keep you guys from these plagues because even the children of Israel 
Though they didn't leave Egypt, they were in Goshen, and they didn't experience all of the plagues that Egypt experienced. So keep them, Lord, in their place. We thank you for it. We give you all the praise, the honor, and glory for this precious group of people. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And all that agree with me in prayer say it. Amen. 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 Amen.